Welcome to Dulles. We're a community of faith that embodies the love of Jesus for the good of our neighbor and the renewal of our world. We're so glad that you're listening. Lou and Kim, when you, when you hear this a little bit later, we, we've all just prayed for you and we love you so much. We, we love you as family. Last night, our family came home. Uh, we, we walked across the street to get home because we went for a few minutes to a, a graduation party across the street. And this was sitting on our kitchen counter uh, in big letters, four regs from DJ. <laughs> and so there was all these oohs, oh, D, you're in love, DJ's in love. And um, I'm not even sure what the, they're cho- chocolate-covered blueberries. Um, and then Reagan tells us a little bit later a funny story that DJ was kind of freaked out because our doors were unlocked. DJ always just walks in. Our cars were all there, but we weren't there. He said he went through the whole house looking for us and couldn't find us, and he was kind of freaked out a little bit. And it took me back to my childhood growing up in church whenever something like that happened. I'd get home and, you know, you know, mom's got something on the stove, but she's not, nobody's downstairs. Nobody, I knew that Jesus had come back and took my whole family except for me. And I'd go through this like 24 hours of trauma and I couldn't sleep. And, you know, it, it, it's like suddenly God became traumatic to me. And this, this story in, in the story of God in Scripture that Jesus will one day return you know, always was this good kind of happy thought to me until I realized for three hours that he'd left me behind. And there's so much, you know, anybody who grew up in church in the 70s and 80s like I did can relate to this. Every single person, anybody who grew up in church in that era in the United States, in the Western, Western world, they can just, they can so relate to the fear of, Jesus coming back to this world, what will that be like? Could I get left behind? Could he take people that I love and not take me? And so it's just funny. DJ wasn't necessarily saying that last night, but, but his story kind of made me, I, I felt the trauma all over again. Like, oh, DJ must have felt like the rapture had happened. Um, like I used to think when I was 11. Or, uh, so <clears throat> I, I, I think that's a good setup for we're going to go through these points again this morning. I teased this about a month and a half ago in this series that we're going through that I'm just, I, I'm loving this series so far. I'm hearing from you guys. You're asking really great questions in our, our app. By the way, at the top of our app, the very top link of our Dulles mobile app is the series graphic. If you click that, you can engage with us in asking questions or answering the week's questions about the topics we're talking about here. Some of this is really challenging our theology. Some of this theology or view of Scripture or view of God is, is really new for some of you. Uh, and we're getting great questions, great feedback. Uh, just engage in the series. If you don't want to talk here in the lobby or you're not sure you're ready to ask a question like to me you know, in person, uh, send in a question uh, through our, our mobile app. Uh, okay, so Amy's friend, Nicole, I used this story in the teaser in Philadelphia, whispered to me at lunch last year, I need to talk to you, but I don't want my kids to hear. 
And so I was like, yeah, what's up? And she said, I don't want to go to heaven. And so if you were here, you know, a month and a half ago, you, you remember the story. And I was like, oh, interesting. You know, and so I, I joked with her a little bit. I realized she's serious. She said, I, I really don't. I, it freaks me out. I don't want to go to heaven. And so I asked her, tell me your thoughts. Because I went through a phase of this in my young uh, faith years where life was pretty good. And I loved football. And I knew football wasn't going to be in heaven. And I loved fishing. And I loved hikes. And, you know, hiking's not going to be in heaven. And so I'm asking Nicole. And she's like, well, because the things that I love, I mean, I love my family. And, like, we're having this great meal. We were eating at Bar Taco, actually, <laughs> in Reston Town Center. She's like, this is, like, I, I just love sitting and laughing. And, and I said, okay. So you're going to tell me that that's not going to happen in heaven. And she's like, well, I don't think so. And so she begins to tell me how boring heaven's going to be. And we have this really interesting, so I'm like, and I know exactly what she's going to tell me when I ask this question. So tell me what heaven's going to be like. What it, how do you picture heaven? And, you know, she, she can't explain it. But it's a, there's a lot of gold. There's, there's angels that maybe you're floating, maybe they're walking. She, can't, she doesn't really know. There's, just, there's a lot of bowing before God. Just, and she's like, I, look, I can bow before God a little bit, but we're going to do that forever? Are we going to, like, after 100 years of bowing, you know, and this is her concept. And this is a very, very typical Western concept of heaven, and it has nothing to do with the story of God in Scripture. In fact, and this is... This is one of these challenging points in the series. The idea that the Western world has only, only the Western Hemisphere has this, and primarily the United States, in the last 270 years or so, the idea that we are going to go away to a faraway place with God, that faraway place is called heaven, is not in Scripture. It's a concept that emerged in the 17th, 18th century by American theologians, a little bit in the UK, primarily here, this idea that we are going to end up in this place far, far, far away, and it's going to be so radically different than this created world is not a concept in Scripture. So in week one of our series, we went through the goods of Genesis 1. God created so intentionally, counter to the Babylonian cosmology and the Egyptian cosmology, the early concepts of creation, God, God makes clear to us in Genesis 1 that creation was intended and was actually spoken by a being. In the beginning, God spoke and God's words result in life. In Egypt and Babylon, the thought of, of creation began with the waters. Waters were in the beginning. All life came out of the waters. No one ever questioned until the Hebrew Bible, until Moses, that something may have preceded before the waters and that it could have been, may have been, an intentional being, an intentional God. And Genesis 1 says, we're writing that concept by explaining the narrative of God, the story of God, that creation came about from an intended Result of good, the vegetation, the waters, life, life roaming on the land and life flying through the air. All of this was intended and it was good, it was good, it was good, it was all very, very good. 
And then humans, we said in week one, blew it all to hell. Literally, we introduced hell to this world. Again, Jesus uses the metaphor a couple of occasions. There are several references in the New Testament that, that in metaphor form seem to suggest that hell is this, this faraway place of darkness and that God may send some people there or may not. What, what Scripture actually makes clear for us is that humans introduced hell into the creative story. When we chose something separate from God, we wanted our own control. We needed to be in control. We, we chose to be in control. And this broke the world. It broke the universe. So we're going to go through the six driving beliefs that we have here at Dulles that really set up where we're going to go the rest of the summer. When it comes to the most exciting idea on earth, which is the creation of the church. There is nothing. I, will, I am so confident of this now. The more I study technology, you know, the James Webb telescope that launched on Christmas Day, we are days away from the first images coming in. I cannot wait. I've been following this story for over 15 years. It took us 20 years to develop this, this telescope. We are going to see images from so far into deep space. I believe it is going to be the science world showing us more and more the astrophysics world is going to be speaking more and more of creation language. Already, beyond biology and other sciences, astronomy and astrophysics are left with having to use creation language now. So much so that the leading astrophysicists are using the phrase, the let there be light moment, in referring to the Big Bang. They're now actually borrowing from Scripture's language, the let there be light moment, because there's no concept in the scientific world to describe how molecules and atoms just suddenly exploded out of nothing. And I believe the James Webb, te James Webb Telescope is going to be pointing more and more to what God emerged out of nothing in his intention. Um, the more I study science, the more I read philosophy and philosophers, I am convinced there is nothing more exciting for the future of humanity than a church that looks, sounds, and behaves like Jesus. And if, you're, if your understanding of church is that, well, churches divide and churches segregate and churches collect more and more liberals and more and more conservatives, that is not the church that Jesus created. The church that Jesus created is self-sacrificing and elevating of others and when we look and sound and behave more like Jesus, the church becomes more and more compelling. To, and last week I said, you know, the day's coming where the Teslas and Googles and SpaceXs of the world are going to be turning to the church. I believe the U.S. government is going to be turning to the church within the next 50 years for wisdom and compelling answers to some of society's biggest problems. This is the movement that God created for our world, made up of imperfect people, changed by the, the, the source of life. And as long as we see the church as a place where people who follow Jesus gather, knowing that the outside world is sort of supposed to be outside or, or they've rejected God and, they're, and we're inside because we've chosen rightly, 
we're going we're gonna to pass the torch to the next generation. Jesus is going to continue to wait for a generation of the church that says, no, we're going to be the movement, the compelling, beautiful movement of Jesus' work in this world. We get to be part of the beginning of Jesus' renewal. So I just want to process this with you by way of our six driving beliefs. Okay, here's the first one. God created a singular, a singular extraordinary convergence of heaven and earth. Scripture never tells us, never once does Scripture tell us that God created earth and in a faraway place called heaven. And it's remarkable how many followers of Jesus believe that. And we see in the very first sentences of Scripture that God created a single place where God's space and human space would interact and overlap together. The Garden of Eden was this place of God's activity, God's voice, God's presence, and human activity, and human voice, and human presence. And his intention all along was that our realms would coexist as one realm. We devoted week one of the series to Genesis 1 and how good and how good, how good, how very good all of this was. I think uh, growing up in church, I had the concept that God created earth and the seas and the land, and then he sort of just randomly walked in our space once in a while. He just sort of showed up to say, hey, Adam, hey, Eve, how, hey, humans, how are they, everything good today? And then he'd go back to his space. That's not what scripture tells us. We see it all the way through the writings of Moses. We see it through the prophets. The Psalms actually refer to the creation story as God's dwelling place on earth. And then this just blows wide open when Jesus, the word who spoke and speaks life, actually came and made his dwelling here. The consistent message of God wanting us to dwell in his space uh, begins in the very first pages of Scripture. Our second driving belief is that the world is broken. Human desire for control created a schism and it broke creation. God didn't lose control. God's plan, it's not like, ooh, uh, God's messed up or forgot something in the creation plan. And now now things have kind of become a mess and now he's got to kind of fix the mess uh, that, that is a very common belief in the world today among theists, those who do believe in God. They believe that he somehow sort of lost control, and now human science is advancing ahead of God. We're kind of figuring out how to fix the world or how to, you know, through justice or social justice. And this is so far from the story of God. Humans decided we needed control, and the moment we tried to take control away from God and, in essence, make ourselves God... It left creation in a much lesser form than what, what God, than the good, the good, the good, the excellent. That Hebrew word means excellent without flaw. When you crave no more aging, when you get angry about tragedy or, or death, like, like this morning, I felt anger. When I got the phone call from Kim and I'm just hearing Kim's voice in this tragedy, and I, I don't know the details that they're dealing with, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I felt anger for them. Just 
not anger at anybody, not anger at God, just, just when you feel that, when we hear about a diagnosis, when there, there's fear of what happens as we age, the horrid news that just fills our minds so much today. I've never heard ever in my life of people just tuning news out. So many people for their own mental health and their own sanity are just absorbing less and less news. What we are experiencing in those descriptions is we crave, the, we're craving the garden. We're craving creation the way it was intended. We're craving creation with God at the center rather than humans in control. Humans being God. We believe humans broke the world and God didn't lose control. God created us not to be robots, not to be programmed animal forms. He created us with the ability to choose him at the center of our universe, he, him as the source of life, or choose ourselves or some other way. That is part of the uniqueness and the beauty of humanity. That we have the ability to choose God and choose life or to choose our own control. And when we choose our own control, it breaks creation as it was intended to be. Number three, our third driving belief is that the Bible is not a book or collection of random rules or random stories that are disconnected or disjointed about God in some way, we believe the Bible is entirely the story of God's plan to reunite heaven and earth. This is ultimately God's dream. God's dream was not to create a religion. God's dream ultimately was not to have us conform to a belief system. His ultimate, ultimate Dream and mission and purpose since the early, since Genesis chapter 3 and 4 is the reuniting of heaven and earth. We're going to watch something here for just a few minutes that really spells this out so well. Fourth driving belief, Jesus' resurrection changed everything. And I, I think most of us here on a sunny morning, especially when summer has started, and there's a lot of travel happening, and there's a lot of busyness in summer. If you're here this morning, chances are you're here because you believe this. You believe that Jesus' resurrection is so significant for life and for eternity. But the concept that I see so many followers of Jesus struggling with is that something profound began on planet Earth. It wasn't that Jesus rose from the dead, so now someday we can steal away or be taken away to this faraway place. It's that Jesus' resurrection began the renewal, as Jesus says in Matthew, the renewal of all things. That is ultimately where everything is moving. We are moving back to the Garden of Eden. Renewal and redemption is all about <clears throat> Jesus reclaiming creation in this space where he and we dwell together. Driving belief number five. Um, it's pretty astonishing, the statement that Paul says. I mean, astonishing when Paul refers to the role of the church, that the church has become God's dwelling place on earth. 
The church is not where we go to sing and listen and be reminded. Of course, those things are part of it. We're reminded of God's good, God's promises, uh, what God wants for our world. Of course, we need to be reminded. Of course, when we're together, all the one another's of the New Testament, we encourage one another. Uh, we remind one another of God's truth and God's good. But ultimately, the church is the movement. That's what church means. The, the original idea, when Jesus used that word, I'm going to create my church, I'm going to build my church, he was creating a movement of people who share a common unity. Our community would be life out of death, beauty out of ugly, new out of the old, that this collection of people would become this movement in planet Earth where we begin to reclaim little pieces of darkness and loneliness and hurt and loss. And suddenly this, you know, we, we, we're using these images, these animated images of the, the desert that we see emerge so early in the pages of Genesis from the garden to now human control has wrecked everything. Suddenly you see God's people in the wilderness and in the desert. And then you get to Isaiah where Isaiah says, but out of the, out of the broken clay of the earth, water spring up out of nowhere. And suddenly green starts to emerge and blue water is starting to stream. And we, he, he tells us that this image is coming from the temple, the actual temple in Jerusalem, which to you and I doesn't mean anything, but until we understand that temple represents God's presence on earth. The Garden of Eden was the first temple. And then the tabernacle, the moving, portable presence of God among the people of Israel. And then the larger temple in Jerusalem were all precursors to Jesus, the temple. Jesus would come and make his dwelling here among us. God's constant movement to re engage and overlap man space, woman space, human space with God space. That this emergence of life would come out of the wilderness and out of the dry land. And that the church would ultimately, on planet earth, be the final temple where God's presence in you and me begins to compel the outside world towards beauty and good and hope and new it's astonishing but true. The church is now God's dwelling place on earth. All right, this takes us to this video. This video is linked at the top of your mobile app. So again, if you go to the Dulles mobile app, click our series graphic at the top, you'll have a link to this video this week that we're about to watch. This is a Bible project video. Uh, I think because it's animated, it may seem like this is maybe for kids. This is one of the leading theology centers in the world today um, in Portland, Oregon, and they've decided to depict in picture form through amazing award-winning animators these very complex theology concepts, and it's remarkable that they're explaining these things in six minutes or less or five minutes or less. This is, I teased this six weeks ago. I want to show this again. Uh, this is one of the best, most concise ways I've ever seen this explained when I've spent two or three years reading volumes of books explaining what you're going to see in the next five minutes. Okay, so let's watch this Bible Project video. Growing up in the church, believing <clears throat> that Jesus could come at any moment and take away, I'm going to paraphrase here, all the good people and take them away to the good place it 
it ended up having such a, a negative effect on me that <clears throat> for early years of my life and viewing the church, my, my early years of faith, I saw us trying to escape an evil world. This is never what God intended. Never, ever did God intend to someday come and take away the good people or the righteous people or his followers out of a world that he doesn't like or that he doesn't love or that he's rejected or that's evil. His intention all along has been to enter into this broken world, this ugly world, physically, personally, himself enter this world. And then as those of us who are being changed by him are called to do the same, it's this idea that we would actually be the movement of resurrection into what's broken. And that can be so intimidating, like, oh my gosh, I don't even really feel like I know scripture that well, or who am I with my story or brokenness to make a difference in the world? And yet it comes back to the story of Jesus. It's really the work of Jesus. It's the, it's the love of Jesus working in you and me as we listen to hurts, as we go to dinner with people who need to talk after work, as we get to know our neighbors and build relationships with them. This is a lot about what we, uh, what we focused on last week and how we actually properly, rightly influence the people around us and the world around us. When I was a kid growing up in church, I was afraid either I was going to be left out or left behind, or I was afraid that the heaven that God was going to take me away to someday was going to be nothing of the things I enjoy in this world. And yet, when you really stop and look at, starting with the good and the good and the very, very good, everything you crave life to be comes from God's imagination, God's intention. Um, amazing concerts. Chris, I saw you, you know, were at a concert recently. We were talking about it in the lobby. Like, the idea of encores and this amazing night of people together celebrating. That, that's God's idea. God came up with that. God created that when he created this world. It's not like we as humans have figured out these fun ways to experience pleasure and life and community. And, and God's concept is that we're going to just be bowing. We're going to be creating. We were instructed in Genesis to, to manage well the, the animal kingdom. And creation, I mean, imagine what the renewal of heaven and earth together again is going to look like. What the role that we're going to have as creators, as innovators, as community builders. Driving belief number six is that we're not attending church, we're building a church. We're building a church of imperfect people, crazy stories, regrets, Guilt. Our temptation is to constantly go back to the guilt that should define us. But Jesus makes whole where we've been broken and where we've felt loss and where we've been ugly. And there's something about the humility of saying, that was me, and I needed him. I needed to surrender to his love, his control, his power, his dream of the future in order for this transcendent ability to come out of me along with the other people to extend hope and good and life 
to people around me. When this becomes our concept, the church, like Jesus on earth, is going to just be more and more and more compelling as Washington, D.C. continues to fail and fail and fail. Republicans are failing. Liberals, Democrats are failing. It's the story of our news. When are we going to wake up and realize the true movement for creation, the true renewal of what our world needs is through the love and renewal power of Jesus working in imperfect people. So <clears throat> we're calling everyone to our purpose and what we're about, as many people as we can. And apparently people are listening online and around different parts of the country. We've got folks in Nebraska that uh, join us every week online and on the West Coast and in Florida. And I'm just inviting anybody who hears the series to join with us. Uh, we'll figure it out. If you don't live here, if, you listen, if you're listening to me right now from Wichita, Kansas, and you want to be a part of this, we'll help you figure out how to be a part of this with us. But uh, I just believe this is the great idea for our planet. At 10.30 last night, I was pretty sure I wasn't going to speak. I felt pretty, my hand was trembling, and I thought I was maybe going to lose part of my finger. <laughs> I was trying to figure out, do we, do we show a video? How do we do this? And I woke up this morning, and my pain is pretty low, and I just decided this will be kind of a chill message compared to last week, but I want to just, I want to keep this concept in front of us. So here's the purpose of Dulles. This is the purpose of our church. We're building a community here that embodies the love of Jesus, Paul, the Apostle Paul, on numerous occasions, refers to us, the church, as a, the metaphor he uses is a, of a human body. We need elbows, and we need forearms, and we need hands and feet and eyes and ears. If you know scripture at all, if you're not new to the Apostle Paul's words, you know this metaphor. We are building a community here that embodies the love of Jesus for the good of our neighbor and ultimately for the renewal of our world, not to be taken away out of this awful place, but to actually be part of the renewal that began on the resurrection morning. So join us. Be a part of this with us. This week, on your Dulles Church mobile app at the top, you have this video. I'm encouraging everybody to watch it again and just write down any questions you have. There's a lot of questions right now about, well, what happens when we die? What actually happens? What, is, what did Jesus mean on the cross when he says to the criminal, today you'll be with me in paradise? We absolutely believe that when that man died, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking it all over again this morning with this loss of our, our dear, dear friend here at church, that we are in the presence of Jesus, but not in that permanent home called heaven far on the far side of the universe. We believe ultimately God is going to restore on planet earth. It's, it's, John spends a lot of his writings talking about the new heavens and new earth. It's in the Lord's prayer. May your realm, may your power, may your purposes and plan come and be on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven being God's, may your dwelling place come back and return to earth. And God's strategy is that that would actually move through the earth through you and me.
as imperfect, as flawed as we are, we so want to, so many conversations and coffees I have with people, they want to take me back, but Brad, a few years ago, there's this thing I did, or 10 years ago, or there's, there's this haunting. We, we, we want to default to the past. Jesus took that past on the cross so that we could be free of it and we can actually be part of renewal, the renewal movement of reuniting heaven and earth. So join us here uh, as, as we take these steps. Here are the three questions on the Dulles mobile app this week. I'm encouraging you to engage with us. Engage digitally by answering these questions. Just uh, today or tomorrow or later in the week, why do you believe churches have lost so much influence in the United States over the last 30 to 50 years? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. The church has lost, the, church, the American church has less influence today than it's ever had in our, our country's history. Why do you believe that is? Why does that, that narrative seem so different than what Jesus intends in Scripture and what he's called us to? Question number two, again, in the, in the top of our app. Why do you believe God has chosen to use people, beginning with ancient Israel, and then we see ancient Israel becomes, you know, the church is the modern Israel today, the group of people that will reflect the character and nature and plan of God in our world. Why do you believe God has chosen to use people who reflect him as part of his plan to renew the world? And then question number three, what is, the most, ex what is most exciting to you when you think about Jesus renewing our world? When you think of all things being made new, as Jesus says in Matthew, what excites you the most in that concept when you think of that the one day when Jesus returns to complete the renewal process, um, what, what most excites you? All right, I'm going to pray with you. Our band's going to end us on uh, just upbeat here today. Hey, thank you. Um, I know I've been super chill today. I hope that's okay with you. I, I, I wanted to just walk us through these concepts again uh, as we pray, you know, prepare for next week, we're going to start to dive into the rescue plan, beginning with the people of Israel in Egypt as slaves. And we see that continue right through the, the story of Jesus and how you and I now are living out this rescue plan today for planet Earth. We're going to get into the, to the weeds, and uh, I think it's going to be really fun. Uh, God, as we move this summer into these concepts, I pray that you would ignite in our imaginations, in our creativity, in our hope, not wishful thinking hope, but, but confidence of what's coming hope and how we are to be part of re-beautifying and remaking and rebuilding out of what's been lost or what's been damaged or the ugly or the broken or the hopeless, the hopelessness. May we stop putting our faith in politics the disciples kept trying and trying to see the kingdom of God on earth as a political movement. God, break us free of that concept. Help us to see that your movement and love and power through your church is ultimately, ultimately going to be what heals and restores and gives life. And we're so grateful that we imperfect people get to be part of the most extraordinary, the most exciting concept to ever exist on this planet. Okay, why don't you stand as we close our time together.